0: Welcome to the Science & SaaS Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things science, fitness, and motherhood.
1: We're your hosts, Dr. Rachel Reed
0: and Dr. Brittany Masteller.
1: We both have PhDs in kinesiology and a passion for sharing science with the world.
0: We created this podcast to have unfiltered conversations about complex topics that we think deserve attention.
1: While listening, you can expect to learn everything from implementing the scientific method to raising little humans and how to keep your head above water through it all.
0: This podcast will cover three major topics exercise science, motherhood, and the fitness industry.
1: We firmly believe that science is for everyone, that coffee should only be drunk out of a mug, and that lipstick makes everything better.
0: To go ahead and hit the subscribe button and make sure to join us every Monday for our conversation with your favorite PhD buzz.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Science and SAS podcast. Today we have a hot topic to discuss with all of you and that is the role of group exercise. This is something that both Britt and I are super passionate about because we have pretty robust backgrounds in coaching group exercise and participating in group exercise. And it's something that I think makes us uh, makes our viewpoints a little bit different than the viewpoints of many people within the fitness industry and in the exercise science academic community. So, This episode will be full of lots of information and we'll be able to share with you the way that we think about group exercise and the role that it plays in society today.
0: Yeah, I think like many topics, um, we don't see it as a either or black or white thing. We see that group exercise very much has a place in the fitness industry. So um, hopefully you'll understand our points of view as we go throughout this episode and talk about kind of where those come from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's get started by just sharing more information about our backgrounds in group X. Britt, why don't you go first? Because I know you've coached at, what, four or five different gyms by now?
0: Yeah. So um, if you guys listened to the first couple episodes, I talked about how I was a dance instructor and I participated in dance, which is in a lot of ways like group exercise more so than like a team sport, I would say, because you are in a studio and you're being instructed kind of individually, but mostly at a group level. Um, So I would say that that experience for me really lended itself for me enjoying group exercise. So um, when I went to college, I was, I transitioned from, you know, being a participant in dance classes to more so being solely a coach. I kind of started to shift and taught some of the like really little kids um, when I was like an older high school student. But then when I went to college, I couldn't compete anymore. So I um, started coaching and I loved it. And I I actually got my first like fitness certification was in Zumba. So Ooh. I was a Zumba fitness instructor <laughs> at the Student Rec Center. And It was so fun for me. Like, I remember just getting like the biggest high after teaching a Zumba class because I love to dance. Yeah. And it was just, it was so fun. My classes became really, really popular. And, you know, I think the thing that stood out the most to me was that it was, you know, it was mostly women who took my class, but just kind of like letting go of, anyone watching them or paying attention to what they're doing. Like they were just in there. They were watching what I was doing. They were having fun. They were sweating a ton because Zumba is super uh, cardiovascular. So you're just breathing hard, sweating, getting your heart rate up for an hour, you know? And it was just so much fun. And my classes kept growing and growing and growing. And I'm like, this is so cool that at the same time I have – you know, upwards of a hundred people right here with me exercising. Like, how cool is that? I loved it. Um, so I continued teaching Zumba all throughout college, um, and then when I went on for to get my master's degree, I was went the summer before school started. So that whole summer, I had a few different jobs, and I started working at a different local gym. Um, that was where I was living at the time, and. They offered, you know, pretty much everything. They offered personal training. They had like a general space where people could just be members and come in and like do their own workout kind of thing. And they also offered boot camp classes. So I started teaching boot camp classes and I was also teaching Zumba a couple times a week there as well. And the owner of that gym kind of took me under his wing and he had a kinesiology degree and, you know, opened this gym after college or whatever. And, um, kind of taught me how to coach a boot camp class. And it was really interesting to me because it was more personalized than Zumba because when I was teaching Zumba, I was kind of up on a stage just yeah. doing it. I think of more like traditional group aerobics type of stuff. Um, <laughs> But with boot camp class, I was more like walking around. I was giving – more physical corrections because we were doing strength training, so people were using barbell. They were using, you know, different types of equipment which I hadn't previously done before. So um, the way that that was set up was it was kind of in this giant space. I think it was an old doctor's office. Actually, it was completely empty that the gym had bought, and people were kind of lined up in a circle around the, the perimeter of the okay. room. Yeah. So we would do demos at the beginning and then kind of just like walk around and correct throughout. And we would repeat multiple workouts across a month span and then they would change so that people could progress over certain lifts. Um, A lot of times we had programming that was like an AMRAP type of thing. Like we have 12 Mm -hmm. minutes and these are the three exercises that you're doing. Go at your own pace, lift as heavy as you can so that it was like slightly individualized, but but still in a group setting. Yeah. Um, And there i really noticed it was um the people there were all because it was a small town so the people there were like friends they knew each other or they met at the gym and they had friends of a friend like the people were connected so there was a lot of conversation there was a lot of cheering each other on and like asking questions they were all so incredible to me because I was a master's student at the time. So they were always asking like how my schooling was going. And, you know, I remember my last class before I left, um, to go to UMass, they all were like congratulating me. And it was just a very good like community, um, which I think is just so awesome and really speaks to group exercise. Um, so, that was great. That was kind of my first intro with group X, besides Zumba. And then when I came up here to New England, um, I started teaching group exercise at more of a it was an athletic club, so the membership okay. was really different. It was a lot of older individuals, so I taught boot camp there as well. But that was more. It was in like an aerobics studio. So there were mirrors and like <laughs> they they had steps and you know you had you had your little equipment at your stand, but I only they only had access to maybe like a set of weights or maybe two sets of weights. Got it. Uh, a Bosu ball. Like there were like there were no barbells. Limited. Yeah, yeah. We weren't loading. We weren't going super heavy. This was going to be more of a cardiovascular type of boot camp, yeah. um, and that's what they wanted. So, and one thing I will say about. Coaching older individuals is that they aren't scared to tell you about what they don't like. like well, that's <laughs> of, true. Yeah, <laughs> most of the mem- most of the members there had been members for a long time. I'm talking like <laughs> decades. So they've seen different instructors come in and out. They they have a certain expectation of. Sunday, nine, Sunday boot camp at 9 a.m. Like this is how we like to do it. The same people come every week at that time. Um, and they, at this gym, there were multiple different classes. They had, you know, water aerobics and a TRX class. They had a ton of different group exercise classes, which I think is different than like a boutique type of studio where it's just one class. Yeah, so absolutely. they were coming. Yeah. They were coming to boot camp for a specific reason, for a specific instructor. Etc. Um, so that was a lot different. And I still really liked it because obviously older adults need to do strength training. And for a lot of them, they don't feel comfortable going in a weight room and, you know, doing their own thing. So they would come to classes like this to do strength training. Right. Um, and even though it was, Slightly more cardiovascular than a traditional strength program. Uh, they were still lifting weights. They were still doing, you know, balancing type of movements. They were doing all these things that we know are beneficial according to the literature we have. So that was really cool. I, I, I eventually, I stopped teaching that class and transitioned to a different job at um, a boutique fitness studio. So I worked for F45 for a little over a year. And there it was very different, where there was one workout. Um, That you did each day. So every single class that came in did the same workout. And that was the first time that I wasn't able to write my own programming. So F45, like HQ, wrote all of the programming that all the F45 Mm -hmm. franchises across the world would implement. So it was nice in some ways because I didn't have to create a workout every time that I was coaching, but I also didn't have any sort of control over. The programming or right. any sort of like explanation, really, because I didn't create it. So from a coaching perspective, it was a lot different from a consumer perspective to so the people who were coming into the gym. I would say that it had a very wide range of membership, more so than any other class that I've taught. So there were college-aged people all the way up to you know people in their sixties and maybe even 70s, who would come in to try to take these classes. Um, And it was also one of those things where they had a free trial. So you could come Mm. for a week and try it and then sign a membership. But from a coaching perspective, it was very different. And I can talk about that later in the podcast too. Um, But it was was just a lot different working for a franchise. And then uh, I went to another gym that was also like a small – local gym that offered primarily group classes and personal training. So for the group classes, the way it was set up was that there were, you know, three to four workouts per month. And then throughout the month, we would cycle through those workouts. So you were getting a chance to do the same workout, you know, hopefully like three to four times before we got new workouts. So you could kind of track your progress over the month. So it was it switched it switched it up, but in a way that made sense. So it was like a month of doing something really consistent, and then the next month you got something new, which is I think a lot of people appreciate because they tend to get bored doing the same movements, even though that is – we'll talk about this. The definition that
1: is, of exercise. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like that is – you know your body adapts. And I know yeah. that doing similar movements over time is how you get really good at stuff, but not everyone wants to be a bodybuilder. Yeah. So for a lot of people, um, that's kind of what they're looking for. So that takes that's that's everything that I've done with related to Group X up until this point. Um and I'll talk a little bit later in the episode about kind of how that it, how that has affected my experience as a coach um as well as how it's, you know, kind of morphed my opinion of Group X in general. Um, yeah, yeah. I love so. that.
1: And you've obviously had a lot of experience working with lots of different groups of people too, which is something that you might not have been exposed to if, for example, you were only doing personal training or one-on-one services, right? Like the challenge of programming for a wide range of ability levels, a wide age range, a wide range of preferences, right? Like we were talking about with older adults. That's a, a really challenging aspect of group exercise is that you're having to Um, make it general enough for everyone to get what they need out of it. And then, you know, we will talk more later in the episode about coaching and what that means and how you have to have, um, I mean, you're really, really on the whole time you're coaching group exercise. You are, um, you have like a bird's eye view, um, but you have to make sure that you're also looking, you're constantly scanning the room to check, to make sure everyone is um, exercising safely, that they're enjoying it right mm-hmm. it's like this balance of like i call it like a balance between exercise science principles and like enjoyment and fun factor mm-hmm.
0: right mm-hmm. and you
1: have to make sure that that balance is like in check the whole time so yeah. i think that that's that's also something that maybe some of our colleagues in the fitness industry who haven't coached group exercise um just haven't experienced yet
0: yeah and i and i will say like that's another reason why i think i mean not everyone group exercise isn't for everyone. No, yeah, And I think like my personality lended itself well to group X because I am really outgoing and extroverted and I'm like, I love being in front of people and I love, and I also know the exercise science part of it. So it was like, I felt really comfortable in that situation where I could kind of like reach more people in a way that was fun and entertaining in a way, like, especially with like, the music that you choose. I mean, everything. everything. There are so many different aspects to group exercise that like it really can like turn someone's whole day around. Like you have the opportunity to do that by them taking your class. Like they could come in kind of feeling like meh. And then not only are they, you know, exercising, which obviously creates endorphins and boosts your mood, but they're also being coached by someone who really loves what they do and is cheering them on the whole time. Which is just it's an amazing feeling. I, I I think it's an amazing feeling. so, yeah, but anyways, I, so <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: I think it's an amazing feeling too. And you know, I gosh, I love coaching group exercise so much. So I actually did a personal training certification during my undergrad experience. Um, I took a course at UNC Chapel Hill by NASM. So they have a program where you can sort of take an actual course centered around their personal training curriculum. And then at the end of the course, you can take the exam, the certification exam. And so that's just something UNC Chapel Hill does for their undergrad students to kind of help them learn more about the, the fitness industry, which I thought was really cool. So my experience in undergrad really was centered around personal training, but I also was a cheerleader in college. And so much like you, Britt, I've always loved choreography. I've loved being, um, you know, part of a team or a group of people all like reaching towards uh, one common goal. And I feel like group exercise, you know, during my master's program really became like a team sort of to me. I loved the fact that I could coach a whole group of people through whether it was a workout or an aerobic dance sort of routine. That I could take them from start to finish and we would all, you know, we would have that shared common experience and we would be having fun while we were doing it. And so I think for me, I very much identified with that, the atmosphere of group exercise, the music, the fact that, um, I'd had like years of practice being in front of people and performing because it very much is a performance when you're a group exercise instructor. And if you're a good one, it it very much is a performance. Um, You're taking people on a a journey, not only physically, but also emotionally, I think, when you're coaching the class. And so um, I really loved that experience. And I started coaching Group X during my master's program. So my assistantship, my first year of my master's, was actually uh, to teach PE classes. So at the University of Georgia, it's required for all undergrads to take at least one semester of PE, which I think is fabulous. And the people who teach the classes are master's students in the kinesiology department. And so I actually each semester taught five classes. I worked out, I mean, oh, it was insane, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I taught spinning. So I got certified to be a, a cycling instructor. I taught aerobic dance and then I taught um, weightlifting So it was like a body conditioning slash weightlifting sort of class, all choreographed to music. Um, And so that was a really cool opportunity for me because at the same time as I was learning, I was diving deeper into exercise fizz and really starting to have like this working knowledge of the craft. I was also able to apply it in this different setting. Um, And I'll never take that for granted because I think it allowed me to become like, as you were talking about that ability to like make really quick decisions uh, while you're also performing to say like, okay, I see, you know, I see Beth over there and she really needs a hands-on adjustment for this hinge pattern movement because she's doing a squat instead. Right. So being able to like pick that up really quickly, do a verbal cue or a hands-on correction to adjust that you have to have a really good understanding of what's happening with the body to do a great job. Yeah. Um, and and I loved that. So I, I mean, gosh, once I started coaching group exercise, I just never stopped. So I started um, doing what I would call like exercise snacking and going to all of these different boutique concepts in the area. Um, and there was a pure bar studio that was opening in Athens, Georgia, um, right at the end of my master's while I was going into my research coordinator position. So I went in and took a class and I was like, this is awesome because it was all choreographed to music, uh, the instructors were top-notch. They were so, so, so good. Um, and it was just such a fun environment. There are mirrors in there. Obviously, there's a ballet bar. There is, There are resistance bands, um, some dumbbells. But I just loved the choreography and the fact that you would, like, go through a routine. So Pure Bar class, it always has this same format, but the movements and choreography are slightly different. So you know generally what to expect, but they're sort of progressing you. From one workout to the next, which I also appreciated from the exercise science point of view. So I was like, "This is awesome! I need to learn how to teach this." I had never seen anything like it, and so I went through teacher training and, and ended up, you know, working, of course, at that franchise unit level. But then eventually working full time for the the global headquarters team and doing the programming and doing the coach education. And I loved it so much. I guess that I wanted to make that my career, right? And now I'm at Orange Theory, and and my team does all of the programming for all of the uh, locations throughout the world. So we're in 25 different countries, which is so crazy to think about. Um, and we have about 8,000 active coaches that the team wow. is responsible for educating. Um, yeah. So I I feel like you know having done it myself and really been in the trenches for years and years I mean tons of group coaching experience has helped me become a better professional because I understand what that's like I mean and it's a grind to be a a group exercise coach whether you're programming your own workout or you're memorizing a workout that was created for you by the corporate team like that's it's it's tough you have to show up ready to go you can't you know program on the fly no,
0: you cannot. And <laughs> I think um, it's so different, like thinking about how all the different programming is done, like the levels of being on. Yeah. I think, you know, it's just a lot. It's, I mean, it's, I love it, but it is, you know, a big responsibility. And I think that it should be treated like that because you are, you know, helping, some, helping multiple people at the same time exercise. Yeah, Um, And I think it takes a lot of quote unquote soft skills as well to be a successful group exercise instructor, because you do have to be able to read the room. And I would say that not everyone can do that. I mean, I've attended group exercise classes with coaches who could not do that and they weren't definitely not as enjoyable, but just like you were saying how, you know, someone was doing a movement incorrectly. If you're a group exercise instructor You have to be able to read someone's body language. And if you know them, know their preferences. Will they feel uncomfortable if I go right over to them and everyone sees me go over to them and call them out and tell them that they're doing this exercise correctly? There's a good chance that the answer to that question is yes. So, my strategy a lot of times as a group X instructor would be kind of to say a general statement to the whole class or to teach to the middle of the room. So, the mid kind of um, level of experience, so to speak. And like, that's all, those are all things that it, it takes practice. Um, and I think that sometimes this reputation of group exercise gets a bad rap for a couple of reasons. And one of them is poor coaching, um, which that's going to happen no matter what type of exercise you do, like whether you're a personal trainer or, you know, people are different and not every coach is for every person. So I think, you know, we all have our favorites and that certainly is something that plays into it. But um, which leads us into our like next point is, you know, we, one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast is because I feel like it's, we both feel like it's a little problematic that in the industry, group exercise gets this reputation of being pointless. Like there's, like you shouldn't be doing group exercise. And the reason that I hear this the most is because people, want a certain, um, have a certain goal for their fitness and group exercise isn't quote unquote, the ideal way for them to reach that goal, which is true for many that could be true. Um, but I think making general statements of it being pointless is problematic because many people enjoy it. And when you say that something is pointless and they really enjoy it, they become confused. Yep. They think, why is this exercise? I'm moving my body, it feels really good, it's making me feel really confident, like I sweat, I, you know, I love it. And then this coach on Instagram is telling me that it's pointless and that I'm never gonna reach my goals by doing it. Like it becomes confusing for consumers who are not who do not understand exercise science, which is a lot of a lot of people. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So we just wanted to talk about that because we do think it's problematic.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly problematic. And I think, you know, when we look at the benefits of physical activity and we know from decades and decades of exercise science research, we know from the CDC's website, from the Department of Health and Human Services, from American College of Sports Medicine, from all of these different position stands and sort of like, uh, bodies of research that experts are aggregating to make these stands, you know, there's so many things that regular physical activity can do positively for so many different health outcomes. And so we want to talk about those. And I want you to remember, like, as we talk about them, that, you know, a lot of times the research on this physical activity You know, exercise is is one type of physical activity and we have to remember that. And so these benefits that we're going to talk about are uh, true for physical activity in general, as long as someone is assuming or accruing like the minimum dose of physical activity, which yes, there are different schools of thoughts on, is that dose enough? Does it have metabolic training? Should it have more strength training? You know, we can debate that maybe in another episode, but I think we can all agree as Fitness professionals that, you know, if more people got about 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity per week, we would see a huge decrease in so many kinds of chronic diseases. Um, we would see huge improvements in physical health and mental health. And I know there's a lot of overlap between the two of those. And so, you know, just remember that exercise and, and structured exercise is just one way to accrue that physical activity. I think that's something
0: that so many people overlook if they don't have that like public health lens. Right. And both you and I, we talked about this in the intro episode, both you and I have, do have that lens because we took so much coursework in public health that we can't kind of help but like look at it from both ways. Like we can look at it from a very individual standpoint, or we can like think about it from a more public health standpoint, from a global standpoint. and like there are multiple points of view about this. So I think as a consumer of a lot of this information, I think one thing I would uh, just point out is if you are taking the opinion of someone who it is their job to promote one-on-one coaching, they are, they are promoting it to that type of person. So like the messaging that they use is going to be for people who are looking for one-on-one coaching that it doesn't mean that it's the only option so yeah. yes it is a option um, but when we talk about group exercise it's still physical activity it's still going to lead to a lot of these benefits that we're talking about like the decreased risk of cardiovascular disease type 2 diabetes hypertension certain cancers like all of those things are minimized when you participate in regular physical activity regardless of if it's the most ideal for your fitness goal. Yeah. Um, and I think like Rachel was saying, that gets overlooked. So for many, just starting is a barrier. Um, so I think any physical activity is good. And Rachel would agree too. obviously there are numerous studies and a lot of science that points to what type of, you know, stressor needs to be introduced to the body to create a certain result. Absolutely. But I think that's a question for a more advanced person, someone who is maybe already participating in physical activity and now is looking to really hone down on what it is specifically they need to do to produce a very specific outcome, Yeah, um, which is very different than the role of group exercise. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, I
1: couldn't agree more. And I think when we take that like public health lens and we look at the data that we do have, that represents population level data, it's showing us that, you know, despite these like really convincing health benefits of regular participation and physical activity, only like 20 to 25% of Americans actually meet those guidelines. And so, you know, that's like less than one in four people. And I'm sure if you think about like a group of four adults within your family, that might even represent like in a smaller unit scale of family, the same thing is true. And and I think you know, if group exercise is a way to change that statistic, or it is helping one in four people meet those guidelines, then like, that's freaking awesome. And we hope they keep doing it, right. So I think that's sort of the lens that that we're coming to or coming, you know, from here. And when we think about barriers to physical activity, so we know, like not enough people meet these guidelines. We also know that like any amount of additional physical activity should be celebrated because like all movement counts towards that, like total number every week. And, you know, certainly group exercise counts towards that. We know there's a lot of research talking about barriers to physical activity. Um, and we want to talk about those barriers and how group exercise can be helpful in actually addressing many of those barriers for many types of people, right, Britt?
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know, we're gonna just kind of go through a handful of these barriers and how group exercise can um, address some of them. Now, obviously, some of these barriers are very complex. So we understand that. We understand there are a lot of underlying, you know, societal and issues within the world that kind of affect all of these. We realize that, but this is just to provide kind of a brief overview of some of the main barriers that people report to um, participating in physical activity or exercise. So,
1: Yeah, I think that's important to note that we do have, again, we're taking that public health lens, which does allow us to account for things like social determinants of health and access to these things, right? So we are coming and we know that, and we can't certainly address every single angle, every podcast, but just know that, you know, we are keeping that in mind as we talk through these
0: barriers. Totally. Totally. So the first we're going to talk about is lack of time. So many people report lack of time, um, especially as Americans we're busy, busy, busy. We love to be busy and, um, A lot of times just making time for physical activity isn't a a priority for everyone, especially if they are previously inactive. Um, It's really easy to just put put it off. Um, And one thing that is great about group exercise is that uh, a lot of the classes are 45 minutes to an hour, usually hour max. Um, And that's from warm-up to cool-down done. And I would say that even some are even less. So I know that, you know, 30 minute lunchtime classes are very popular Mm -hmm. or, you know, like a quick 30 minute spin class. Those are, those are very popular. And that kind of addresses this barrier of lack of time because it doesn't need to be some big two hour long workout. Um, doesn't, that can be very overwhelming for a lot of people and maybe for some elite, more elite athletes, that's appropriate, but you know, for money, that's not realistic. We have families, we have work, we have other things in our life that fitness is just one small part of it. Um, it's not our entire life. And I think that lack of time can be addressed, um, in group fitness. And also, you know, a lot of group fitness studios offer classes at multiple times of the day. So early in the morning throughout the later evening. So whether your schedule is you know if you're a shift worker or if you're a stay-at-home mom or you know whatever there are multiple different times throughout the day that you can go and take these classes um, depending on what works best for your schedule
1: yeah and i think
0: that's such
1: a key point and and we could even take that one step farther right like you they have classes at all times of day a lot of these facilities also have locker rooms where you could then for example like do a quick shower, rinse, and get ready for work or change your clothes if you're coming from work and going to the studio to work out, right? So there's a lot of ways in which these businesses do their best to
0: make it as convenient as possible from a timing perspective. Totally. And two, now with COVID, like we're filming this at the end of 20, or we're recording this at the end of 2020, right now, most fitness studios are offering some sort of online version of their programming as well. So. You get these, this benefit of it being short, but with the added benefit of you don't even have to leave your house to do it, <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, depending on what type of equipment you have available and things like that. But um, certainly that helps as well. Yeah, that's such a good point.
1: So the second barrier we want to address is lack of knowledge. And this is something that if we look at population level survey data, a lot of adults identify as something that really stops them in their tracks from starting an exercise program is just like this intimidation factor. It's like, where do you start? I don't know where to start. It, and it can be really hard to overcome that barrier. But with group exercise, as we were talking about, we do have knowledgeable coaches or teachers who are leading the workouts. And that's the case, whether you're at a high-end boutique fitness concept, or you are at um, a smaller local gym, who offers group exercise classes. Of course, there are differences, you know, anywhere you go based on the quality of the coach, right? But in general, um, someone should at least have a certification, which is assumed that they then have at least a foundational uh, amount of knowledge in order to deliver the product. So I think, you know, that lack of knowledge barriers, a really hard one to overcome. And in my, this is all anecdotal, but in my personal experience, a lot of people who are new to exercising really do well in group exercise because it is taught and coached and crafted in such a way that someone who's never exercised before can just hop right in and it can be scalable to meet their level of understanding. And and that goes as far as like the words that the coach or teacher is using in the class, right? Like it's not super specific muscle names or muscle actions, right?
0: It's language that they can understand. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that, Britt? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, I remember one time I made an Instagram post that was like, um, how to choose what type of fitness is appropriate for you depending on, you know, your preferences and kind of where you are in fitness. And one of the things I said was if you're brand new to exercise and you cannot afford a personal trainer and you need some sort of instruction, in particular, group exercise is perfect for that because it's in a group setting. So it's a less intimidating environment. Um, And you can still get that guidance without feeling like, like super overwhelmed by it. For many people, yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of takes the pressure off the trainer, like just looking at you, right? And you're around other people who, like, if you think that it's hard, like, there are other people around you who also think that it's hard, and that's kind <laughs> of like proof, you know? Yeah, I think I think for many people, um, it can be hugely beneficial, especially if they're new to um, exercise, to just have that guidance and have some sort of instruction or coaching that, you know, to make sure that you're doing it right and that you don't get hurt. Because yes, you know, going, getting a membership to a Planet Fitness or something is great, but if you don't really know what you're doing, sometimes it can be hard to navigate. So I think group fitness addresses that lack of general knowledge of just about like how to do something or where you're supposed to be feeling a certain exercise and and things like that, that a lot of people can get that from taking group exercise classes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you talked a little bit about social support earlier when you were talking about just that community feeling. And, you know, when you were leaving the one gym, um, all of the the members were so excited for you and proud of you. And of course, they were going to miss you, but they were wishing you well. And I think that feeling of community and social support is, well, it's not just me that thinks that, it's actually science that thinks that's Mm -hmm. really important towards adhering to, you know, those physical activity
0: guidelines that we referenced before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, social support is a huge factor and predictor of whether someone is going to participate in and stay, in phys- stay with a physical activity program. And not everyone enjoys like just doing their own thing. A lot of people really crave that community. And I think, you know, a lot of different types of group acts provide that, you know, it really doesn't matter the, you know, type necessarily it's just that community it provides the structure for a community to to be built so you'll notice when you do take group acts like the same people will come to the same classes at the same time of the day so you know I remember at the one gym like there um, all the gyms I've taught at there were always the like morning crew who would come to the 5 a.m 6 a.m classes every single day during the week like that was just what they did didn't. Yeah. yeah that was their routine so obviously like they got to know each other and when one of them was or wasn't coming you know they would check in on each other or like you know things like that that social that built-in social support I think is so beneficial for people especially on like I think about this time of the year when mm-hmm. it's winter and sometimes it can be really hard to get up and out of bed when it's really cold out but Like if you, and we'll talk about accountability in a little bit, but that social support of just knowing there are other people there who are also working hard next to you and care about, you know, you and your progress can be, just feel really good.
1: Yeah. And I've, I've read, um, some studies talking about how group exercise studios do become this like third space for so many people. Right. And that's been a concern throughout the pandemic as many gyms and studios have had to remain closed or only open during certain times of the day or with like very strict uh, guidelines in place, Um, you know, that third space for a lot of people is feeling lost or maybe it's all lumped into like now you're doing everything from home, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. not only like sleeping and eating and hanging out at home, but you're also working maybe from home. You're also exercising at home. Um, And so I know a lot of people are really missing that third space that allowed them to feel Safe, productive, and have that social support, you know, a home away from home, if you
0: will. Totally, totally. And I think that a lot of people need that like mental break from everything where they can just, you know, go in and do the workout and leave. And I personally find that when I'm doing a group exercise class or participating in one, that I am much less likely to be thinking about outside things. Mm-hmm. While I'm exercising, because there's so much in like stimuli within the studio, within the other people, with the coach, like I am not thinking about what I have to make for dinner, you know, yeah. for those forty-five minutes or however long the workout is, and I'm in that group exercise class, like I'm just thinking about me, and I think that can get lost in other types of exercise that aren't group exercise that aren't group exercise because you're not necessarily like creating that space. Like I think about when I go to the gym and I just do like a lifting workout or something. I'm on my phone to change the music or whatever. And then inevitably I'll get a text message. Right. And then inevitably I'll get an Instagram notification. You know, and it's really not creating that space. I mean, and that's me because I like to work out with music. I don't like going in there and just like being not having anything <laughs> in my ears. But I assume that other people have that experience as yeah, well. That, absolutely like, when I'm doing group X, my phone is in my car or in a cubby and it's just me and the class. So Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It allows you to like turn your brain off, if you will, and just like show up and be present in the moment, which is becoming harder and harder for us to do, I think, with how immediate all of the technology and the expectations that come with that technology um, oh, yeah, are. So absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a huge one. So another barrier that people commonly report through large scale survey data is this lack of access to equipment or lack of access to like a safe space to be physically active. Um, And this is true, you know, across lots of different socioeconomic statuses, right? Like sometimes you might live in an area where you don't have a, a green space outside that's safe for you to be at all times of the day, right? That can be true for, for anybody, depending on where they live. We also know like living through a pandemic, it's been really hard to purchase or have access to exercise equipment at home. Like I am still waiting for my 20 pound dumbbells to arrive from Amazon and they probably won't, they probably won't get here until like February or March. Right. And so I think it's, it's hard to have access uh, to lots of equipment because it's expensive and hard to get your hands on. So group exercise studios do uh, provide access to that nice equipment that's regularly checked and cleaned and maintained um for so many people is that your
0: experience too as coaching like at so many different gyms oh yeah and I mean I would say most people who come to group x like they don't want to work out at home either so like they want access to more equipment but they don't necessarily want to buy it themselves like they want to go somewhere and You know, have a space that they know is clean and safe and maintained rather than either they don't have, like, I think about, I'll use myself for an example. I live in a very small apartment and I have a baby, I have an infant. Right. So, you know, my dumbbells are all stacked in a corner of my bedroom and it's like taking up space. And, like, yeah, it's not ideal. Like, ideally, I'd have like a nice, fancy garage gym, you know? Um, But that's (laughs) just not. Yeah, someday that's just not realistic right now. So, knowing I can go to, a space that has equipment that's accessible like you said clean that has a variety of weights like more than I could ever keep in my house type of thing is is awesome and another thing that happened with the pandemic which I think a lot of group exercise gyms were doing is renting out some of this equipment yeah so that people could have some of it at home not everything and obviously like right now there are limitations even being back in person doing group x with what equipment we can use, just because of the amount of it that we have, like
1: mm-hmm. things
0: like battle ropes or things that we only have like a few pieces of it, where we would have to do some sort of station work, we can't really do that right now, just to keep consistent with yeah. the regulations. But normally, under normal circumstances, we have tons of equipment, um, just like so much variety, and um, all members can have access to it and be able to try new things and you know, have fun. It's fun to use new equipment or to try new movements and stuff like that. Like that to me, and I think for many people is just a really fun experience and a new challenge and stuff like that. So I think, you know, having a space, safe place to do that, uh, like we said, with, you know, someone knowledgeable is, is, a, is a huge benefit.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And of
1: course you can do um, body weight workouts and a lot of you know, I've taught aerobic dance, you've taught Zumba, I also have taught, you know, step aerobics, which you could arguably do with like your stairs or any kind of step like bench that you might have at home. There are workouts that you can do that are a lot of fun that you don't need equipment for. But um, a lot of people, as you mentioned, do prefer equipment for exercising. So Okay, these last two, I feel like they're kind of intertwined. So one is lack of motivation that people commonly report. And then the second one is lack of accountability. Um, Yeah. So let's talk about these because, you know, these are two things that there's a good amount of literature supporting the fact that if these two uh, factors are in place, someone is going to, it's likely that they're going to be more successful sticking to an exercise program, Right.
0: Yeah. And the, the cool thing about group fitness is that uh, um, motivation and accountability are kind of addressed within just the structure of group fitness itself. So typically yeah. with a group fitness class, you have to sign up for the class. So that in and of itself is making you make a plan um, <laughs> yep. about when you're going to fit exercise into your day. And depending on, you know, Your gym and your area. I know around here, like these classes fill up, especially certain times. So, like, you really have to plan ahead. And if there's a class that you know you want to go to at 5 30, you know, you have to sign up for it. And then you're kind of like committed. And typically, those. If you cancel after like a certain time, like if you cancel, if it's like 5 a.m. and you wake up and you're like, I'm not doing this today and you just go back to sleep, you'll get charged for that. So you're actually paying if you decide to cancel, which I think (laughs) money is an incentive for a lot of people. If they're paying monthly or whatever for this class membership and then they're canceling and getting charged these additional fees, like they're going to be more motivated and be held accountable by the facility to show up. Um, So I think, you know, that in and of itself, just like that structure of having to sign up for it, eliminates some of that.
1: Absolutely. And I feel like another element of Group X that lends itself towards that accountability establishment is that the coach often knows your name, right? So I know when I was coaching Group X a lot, you know, six to 15 times per week, depending on the week, I made it an effort every time to study the roster before I got there. And then to make sure as people walked in, I greeted them with their name. Mm -hmm. I wanted to establish that, you know, professional rapport and also get to know them as people, like figure Mm -hmm. out what their quote, their why is like, what's driving them, what's going on in their life? You know, are they having sort of an off day where I might need to like, not just meet them in the middle, but do a little bit of extra work um, with them from an encouragement standpoint or an inspiration standpoint to help them like get out of their head and be present in the moment. I think that aspect of group exercise is is something that is really, really special, that like ability to have relationships, not only client to, to coach, if you will, but also like client to client or member to member. Mm -hmm. Right, You talked about that at your gyms, how, how you would have sort of this like morning crew, they would know each other, they might even send each other a text if they're like running late, or they would all set their schedules together. And that sort of environment is something that helps all of the people involved to stay physically active. And that's, again, if we're looking at that big picture, like that's, what's going to help people um, have decreased risk for so many chronic diseases um, improve their mental health, like that, like accountability and establishment of a routine is what's actually going to make a difference in their health. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. can't forget about that. I feel like those are those are so important, and like you said, the environment of group exercise has
0: those things like built in and accounted for. Totally, totally, and beyond that, like once you're there, you might not be really feeling it. You might be like. <laughs> 5.30 in the morning and maybe you're not yeah. really a morning person, but like you go to that time because that's what works best for your schedule. I think one of the awesome things about going to a group class is that there are coaches there to cheer you on. Like yeah. you're not just going to the gym and like going through the motions and like, half-assing a workout there's a coach or maybe multiple coaches there who are cheering you on and like you're paying for someone to be your cheerleader in a sense you know like rage said about how she was a cheerleader and like always wanted to to like help people move out like you are kind of a cheerleader in a way as a group exercise instructor because you can tell when someone's kind of like not giving their all especially if they're a regular in your class and like you know how much they can normally do for this exercise and they're doing like less than that you know a lot of times people will go to grab the lighter weights if they're not really feeling that great or they're not feeling that confident in themselves that day or whatever it may be and they just need that little push to like Mm -hmm. do more yep you know I think that that is huge especially for women with any type of strength training group class they're always going to not always I shouldn't say that Many times, in my experience, they're going to go for the lighter weight because oh, yeah. they know they can do the lighter weight, and the bigger weights intimidate them. But yeah. as a coach, like if you know their ability and you know they could do five pounds more, you're pretty sure, and you encourage them to go up in weight, and they do it, and they're successful. The smile and like pr- like the the pride that they feel after doing that is just amazing. It is like the most amazing feeling as a coach to help someone do something that they think they couldn't have done. And they probably would not have tried if someone else wasn't there telling them like, you can do this, like, come on, let's go. And I think that's underestimated a lot because
1: um,
0: yeah, for whatever reason, that that just moment of, you know, why don't you try the, the 20s instead of the 15s today? I think that you can do this. And they do it. It's just, oh my gosh, it's the most, it's the best feeling. I love that feeling.
1: I love it too. I like, I think back to the first time I sort of saw somebody progress like that. Um, And it, it was with push ups. I feel like that's such a measurable, like it's an exercise that it's so tough to do well when you're first starting out. And there was this particular client who, you know, needed to do them um, standing up with hands elevated, right. That's a a good option for a lot of people. And then, you know, about three months in, we had kept slowly progressing her, but it would always take me pushing her a little bit. And then one day before class, she said, I'm going to try them, you know, full out today if we're doing it. And I was like, we are doing them. And that is awesome. And I remember she did about five in a row, like full out, great form, And I gave her, you know, a shout out and congratulations over the mic and the rest of the members in that class, like stopped exercising and cheered for her and she was crying. And I was, I mean, I could get emotional even thinking about it because it was the first time that I was realizing how powerful that could be. And she would have never accomplished that. I mean, not never, but it may not have been in the way that it was if she wasn't persistent and there wasn't somebody kind of pushing her. So, I mean, I think those little moments, they speak for themselves when we hear clients and members talk about that.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's so special as a coach and as a client, because you feel like people are invested in you and yep. they're proud of you and they you know, want you to be better. And I think for a lot of people, they may have never felt that way about anything. And fitness is giving them a sneak peek into that. and I, You know, I talk about this a lot, how fitness can be a metaphor for so many things in life. But that's a perfect example of sometimes people just need that little bit of motivation and support and accountability from an outside source for them to know, like someone else believes that I can do this, like I can do this. And then it starts to bleed through everything in your life. So I think, you know, group exercise really exposes a lot more people to that. Um, and I think exercise in general can do that, but... Absolutely. I think for some people who maybe aren't as in, intrinsically motivated, that that environment of group X really can help. Um, and then the last thing we wanted to talk about is, like the caveat to all of this is that we do realize that one of the barriers to physical activity participating in physical activity and exercise is financial and that it does require a certain degree of financial stability to be able to purchase a membership at a group exercise studio. Um, The prices of these studios can vary so, so much. So it's not necessarily that these are the, this is the most expensive way. um, But we do realize that that can be certainly a, huge factor in the decision for many people. This isn't opposed to be like group exercise is better than anything. This is just a podcast to talk about the benefits it does have. So yes, yeah. there are definitely certain places where it falls short. Um, but you know there are a lot of great things about it. So yes, we do realize that you know finances are a factor and that some studios are too expensive for many people. And I realize that. Um, we we know that. So just Just to point out that we're not (laughs) completely overlooking that. We've just decided to focus. We really wanted to focus on the positives and the ways that it does address many of the barriers, even though it may not address all of them. Um, But for some, it it does address the barrier of wanting some sort of instruction, but it's cheaper than individualized coaching. So it's still going to be cheaper than a one-on-one personal training. Um, It's still going to be cheaper than hiring a one-on-one coach, for sure. Um, by a lot. So, you know, there's a spectrum for sure.
1: Yeah, totally. There's, there's always a spectrum with like any of these barriers, I feel like, but finance finances are something that a lot of people are experiencing extra like turmoil with right now. So we definitely wanted to call that out. And also to say a lot of group fitness concepts do have free, um, online workouts that you could try from the comfort of your home so if you were just itching to do something a little bit different than what you've done before it's a great idea to just find one that's really inexpensive or maybe even free and just give it a go see how you Mm -hmm. feel afterwards like right Mm -hmm. so so yeah so I think um, a lot of companies are are trying to recognize that burden exists right now and it's maybe even a larger one than it has been in the past so
0: for sure and you know just to play off that a little bit, one of the things that we didn't really talk about much in this podcast because we talk more about like traditional group exercise, but certainly the evolution of group exercise is changing and has changed and that there are a lot of online, like solely online communities that are kind of group coaching. I yeah. know I have one. I offer one with the Busy Mom Blueprint and it's kind of this, you know, everyone's doing the workouts kind of in the comfort of their own personal gym space from wherever in the world, but there's still this community. So it still addresses many of these barriers of, uh, you know, group fitness, but right. it's not a traditional group fitness class. So I think that that's, you know, something to point out too. I know a lot yeah. of people, you know, enjoy those online communities, especially people who are busy, who don't want to be tied down to a certain time to do the workout because they have a variable schedule or something, whatever, but they still have the accountability of like the other people in the group and the coach um, who was leading it, which I think is another, you know, way that group exercise is kind of coming into the industry in a different way.
1: I love that you point that out. I actually did a busy mom blueprint Workout this morning before yeah. our <laughs> recording. So I absolutely agree. Cause I know then that Britt's going to check, you know, the information that I input into the app. She had programmed it for me. It's what I need to be doing right now. And so there are a lot of those elements, um, that appear in that aspect too. I love that you pointed that out. So our last topic really, was just diving a little bit more into, you know, from the coach or trainer point of view, how, coaching group exercise is really different than coaching one-on-one. And you've heard us talk a little bit about this already throughout the episode, but I think if I were to categorize how it's different for me, since I have done both a good bit, you know, you have to be um, very quick on your feet and very, very on in a different way when you're coaching group exercise than when you are coaching one-on-one. A lot of group exercise classes, they're either, you know, designed for you or you're designing them, but either way, you have to memorize them ahead of time. This is not something where you can show up and be referencing your notes throughout. It's something you have to know it. And you not only have to know it, you have to know it well enough to teach it and to teach it to a wide array of ability levels, um, you know, and be able to scale it up and down accordingly. Teaching always to the middle, as Britt mentioned before, but Also being able to challenge those who can take the challenge and to, you know, regress the workouts or drills that you've picked based on people who need different options. So I think that's something that is a key difference. And it's something that if you haven't coached group exercise before, you maybe just
0: don't have the appreciation for because you just haven't been exposed to it, right? Right right? Or you personally just don't enjoy it. So I think yep. some, some people just really don't thrive like based on their personality, like as a trainer, this is from a trainer perspective. As a trainer, I think, you know, depending on what your personal preferences are, are going to affect your opinion of this. Um, so certainly their group exercise and personal training are very different, but I think like the one to many model of group X is not appealing to a lot of people because they want to provide something highly personalized um which is great it's just that's not the environment to do something like that you really have i mean group group exercise is so fast-paced like by the time you know you're giving a cue for one one person who maybe need help with an exercise they're on the next movement um it's very fast paced and you have to kind of be okay with that. So if you're a perfectionist or someone who is really like harps on perfect form or something, you might not thrive coaching in a group exercise setting because you just have to kind of let go of the perfection of performing movements. Like not everyone is going to perform everything perfectly. As long as they're not doing anything that's going to like like that's totally unsafe, you just have to let some things go. Uh, yeah. because there's just not time to, to correct every little thing. Um, oftentimes what I liked to do is if there was something that came up repeatedly in the workout that I found myself like constantly trying to correct or whatever, at the end of the workout, when we were doing like a cool down or something, or that everyone was done or it was a rest break or something, I would go into that. Movement Highlight in it. Yeah. Detail. Yeah. And just yeah. say like, these are some of the things that I was seeing. You know, the next time we do this, um, these are the, this is what I was trying to to cue, and I'll do some a demonstration. I'm not going to call anyone out individually um, unless they ask, but certainly like doing an extra demonstration if, if something consistent came up, um, because oftentimes you'll, even if they don't do that workout, you know that exact exercise the next time it's, they're going to see it again. Like yeah. you're going to do Romanian deadlifts again, so let's talk about this really important cue that will maybe help for the next time. Um, and you just kind of have to be okay with that. Whereas with a one-on-one client, I would spend time in the session, even if it took half the session until they got it right. And that's just not possible. <laughs> this is not yeah. possible with group X. Um, yeah. So I think you know, depending on your personality, it depends on kind of what you enjoy more. I enjoy both, to be honest. Like me too. I I think you know, group exercise really energizes me in a way that personal training doesn't. I find personal training to be more draining. Um, just from my energy standpoint, I like, I like teaching a group of people. Um, I don't know. I've just, I've just noticed that over the years that that is personally my balance is, you know, shifted more towards group exercise. I like being, you know, coaching. I really enjoy doing parts of the workout with the group X classes, depending on the level of the people that are in them. Um, which was something that, you know, depending on which gym I was teaching at, that didn't always happen. Obviously with more of a traditional aerobic type of class, that is how it's taught. And that's what they prefer. They want you kind of up at the big, up at the front of the room, like doing the workout. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes I would do that and then I'd walk around and then I'd mm-hmm. do that and then I'd walk around. But I also had a mic. So it was a lot easier to talk to the room versus many of the other studios that I've worked in. I didn't. So I kind of had to go around or like yell. Um, and that just makes a big difference as a trainer. It does. Yeah, it totally yeah.
1: does. I've always had, I guess I've just always lucked out to coach in places where I've had a mic on, which yeah. does allow you to sort of be everywhere all at one time um, yeah. a little bit more easily. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's going to, there's a, always the personal preference that comes into play as a professional. I loved And I still love coaching group exercise because I felt like there was always room for me to improve and to keep Mm -hmm. getting better because I always, I wanted to maximize that one-on-one attention time within the group setting. It was always like, all right, today I'm going to do this many hands-on adjustments and I'm going to give this many like off mic cues uh, to help people or this many shout outs. And so it was always like able to like raise the bar and continue to challenge myself to be a little bit better. Um, but I, I completely am aligned with you that I'm like slanting more towards group exercise. I just, I think it also allows us to like have more people moving at, at one time, which when we think about the fact that we both love and appreciate that public health lens, it's just something Mm -hmm. that's like near and dear to my heart. It's like, I feel like it's part of my purpose is to help more people move more and and group exercise allows you to do that
0: um, in a different way. Totally, and I think like the last thing I just want to say about this is, you know, it you don't have to. It doesn't have to be either or, which I think is another narrative that gets pushed. Like we're not saying like only do group exercise because these are all the benefits of it. We're just saying if that's what you choose to do or part of your fitness routine, like there is a place for it. You know, and I know like for many people they like to do many different things, like. I like to do, you know, a group exercise workout a couple times a week. And I also like following a structured strength program. Like I like doing both. Me too. Um, and I think a lot of the narrative around this is like, what's the best? And to be honest, the best thing is going to be like what you enjoy doing, and what you're going to like do. <laughs> so if that means yeah. switching it up by doing group exercise, like that's great. And that, if that works for you, that's great. Um, but yeah. So that's kind of our overview of the role of group exercise. Uh, I'm like thinking about this is kind of off topic, but I'm totally thinking about that scene from Legally Blonde where she's in the jail talking to Brooke about her fitness classes (laughs) and how how amazing she made her feel as the fitness instructor. (laughs) I love that. And it's so cheesy, but it's like, I lost five pounds doing Brooke's buster workouts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, that. <laughs> But that's how it feels. Like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like as a, if you're a group for this, project, like that's how people yeah. feel about you. You know, totally. like they, they attribute some of their success to your coaching. So anyways, yes. thanks, for, thanks for listening. And uh, we hope that you got something out of this. If you want to share this to your Instagram story or send us a DM at the Science and sass podcast, Um, we'd love to hear your take on this and any thoughts you might have. Thank you guys so much. And
1: don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. That way you never miss a new episode. We will see you next time.